0: This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. This is episode two of our two-parter with Jeffrey Carr of SafeHouse.Global. We have a interesting uh, balancing, you know. There's checks and balances baked into the system of liberty, freedom, freedom of capitalism, or freedom or controls in a, in a capitalized, a capitalistic uh, controlled system like you're describing. The Soviets discovered that central control is extremely cumbersome, but effective control. And in the end, you know, they they collapse from the weight of trying to control everything. At the same time, loosey goosey and anything goes is not a effective propulsion to go five years forward at a time. The, the Chinese actually take a 50-year view and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And and they commit to it, they, generically speaking, like our presidents and senators and congressional representatives can never do. They can never commit to two years. They, they try. But the Chinese have said, oh, we're going to do this in 50 years. And then 50 years from after that, we expect this to be real based on their driving forward. And you mentioned, Jeff, logical fallacies. I think there's just so much intersect on this—the 60 different kinds of logical fallacies you talked about—and you know, my, my being in the intelligence world for these low 35 years, there's my own bias. I talked to Andy Purdy in the in the hallway at that event for quite a while, and the whole time, my NSA, Kilikami for mommy, background—you know what I came up with—and my bias is were just yelling in the back of my mind, be careful how much you talk to this guy, right? Because he's not trustworthy because he works for Huawei and the Huawei is the is the poster child for watch out for China stuff. And uh, it's complicated. Relationship status is complicated for all of us.
1: What's really funny about Huawei is that is that nobody has ever actually proven that Huawei has a backdoor. However, we have been able to see because of the Snowden leak that the NSA did put a backdoor into Huawei <laughs> Right, so, so this is one of those, you know, this is one of those embarrassing moments where you're you are right that it is a worrisome thing to buy from a, co- a country that is your adversary. On the other hand, you know, it's not like we're blameless.
0: Absolutely, and in fact, we're it, spying on them; they're spying on yeah, us. Yeah, and, and that's, that's just the been job. The way as long as I've been alive, Th-
1: that comes with that. That comes with the territory, right? That's there's nothing wrong with somebody. You can't be mad at a scorpion for using a stinger, right? It's a, that is, it's a scorpion. What do you expect? So, uh, and we're all, when it comes to countries and the great, you know, uh, 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 the, the great race for world domination among governments, it's, everybody's a scorpion. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. National interest is, reign supreme. In every nation, the balancing, you know, we have one segment of the world is screaming about globalization being a horrible thing. And one saying, how can it be otherwise? We have to work together. We're one neighborhood. I I lean toward the global neighborhood concept. Nobody, I know. Probably is trust but verify all the way back from my Soviet roots, uh, counter Soviet roots. We have to trust but verify. We have to extend a certain amount of vulnerability or we become broken down into the, like the uh, the empire of the rising sun. You know, isolationism is the immediate retardation of growth for any nation. But we have to trust in small portions.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, we don't have uh, – the U.S. doesn't have a choice anymore it, for, and it hasn't had a choice for a number of years where it, it must go outside of its borders – to hire talent. You know, when I was working for Microsoft, they, back, this was back in 2006 or 2007, I think, Microsoft opened an office in Canada strictly for the purpose of being able to import talent. They, they couldn't, due to uh, U.S. laws, they could not hire enough foreign engineering talent directly from the U.S., so they opened up an office in Canada which had a more liberal approach and they were able to hire a lot more, you know, foreign-born engineers f- to work for their offices in 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 Canada. And and we're, you know, that's only gotten worse, right? Because we have not we 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 have not emphasized science and math in our educational system here and other countries have. So we're relying on those individuals with with those skills from outside of the US same with getting necessary components right to, to supply our our products or having even having products made overseas that for whatever reason you know we can't afford the labor or we can't afford some other aspect of it so we're importing so we've created these supply chains and as you know Rob in in times of war you have to protect your supply, your supply route, right? You you have to be able to feed and take care of your troops when they're outside of your borders, and how you do that—that's those are your supply lines—and you have to make sure that you, they don't get cut off. So, same with you know, same with your your phone, right? The phone that you you buy, that the supply chain for that phone—I don't know—it's probably covers a dozen countries um, outside of the U.S and if you want to protect it from a cybersecurity perspective you have to know where the software came from who wrote it what country were they in when they did the software development what libraries did they access and who wrote those libraries so in the current defense bill that's before congress there's a provision that i think i think it was just submitted to the House of Representatives. I think the House may have passed it, but it, the Senate has not acted on it yet, which calls for a software bill of manufacture, so an SBOM. So, and this is supposed to be a requirement so that any product that has software, you want to know where that software comes from, what, what the lineage is, and you know how many, how many hands were in it in the writing of it. And that's a, a major, a major hurdle to achieve. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see if, in fact, it's even possible to do. Because there, there are plenty of folks with doubts about, about that. As important as it is, can we really do it? So we're now a country that is reliant upon our neighbors, uh, for better or for worse, for our security. So the, um, the software bill of manufacturers is um, going to require uh, that any company that that the DoD buys from, uh, if software is involved, they need to show how that software or where that software was made. So, in my case, for example, I I had a a, a Polish company create a a small app uh, and. I needed if, if, if I were to sell that app to the government uh, or to any other company that require, that wanted a software bill of manufacture, I would need to have our this Polish company that I work with fill out this form which which would ask, you know who did the coding? Did they do it all, or did they hire out for some parts of it? And if so, who did they hire? And then that company would need to be now involved in this form as well. They would also need to, to, to answer a question about the use of open source software libraries. Open source meaning, you know, possibly hundreds, thousands of programmers over the years have contributed to managing open source versus closed or, or source code. So Microsoft closed source Right? It's Microsoft's own code, but, but an open source library would be that anybody could contribute to it. And it's, it's free to use for non-commercial purposes. So, as you can imagine, that's going to be a hugely complex task for any company that is un, that wanting to settle the DoD if this thing you know, passes without significant modifications. But it does underscore how we are all reliant on other countries. To accomplish just basic tasks today, uh, very very few things are are made 100 you know here in the U.S. that are technical. Um, so so that's where we're at, um, I think, and that's why the ability to see other perspectives, you know, to to be open-minded about issues of trust, to not have really firm prejudices or be able to recognize those prejudices and you know place them aside to get to the heart of something those are all important skills that we seem to be lacking more and more and if you look at the politics the polarized politics that we have today
0: and there are costs to that distrust massive costs downstream we're going to find, we're finding already. No man is an island. This is fundamentally the same as interpersonal relationships, because when you do not extend some vulnerability, but with common sense uh, at the national level, the corporate level, in commerce, in defense, it's the same as uh, having a stunted personal life, not being able to, not being, I mean, I know personally from my own interaction with my partner, you know, we, that, that, that's the crucible for my own personal development. Same thing here is you have to, we can't get chips. We can't make chips. We need chips for everything, for our, our network of uh, the Internet of Things. My refrigerator needs chips, you know. And if Taiwan is swarmed by PRC, we lose access to a lot of chips and, and all the different cascading other, other effects that are, that are cost from not having a set up a robust network. To, like you said, lines of communication is the, the military term for guns and butter, and you got to be able to keep those things flowing. So it's a very complicated process. There's no easy answer. There's no lock it down, we'll be, you know. America First was a recent uh, call to arms, and that was something that was also done in the 30s. America First it was leading toward isolationism and focusing on leaving ourselves out of the international struggle that was going on at the time. If we do isolate, we do begin to choke ourselves off and lose oxygen and functionality.
1: And it's that that's also true for Ukraine. It's not like... Um I mean, currently, our the administration is in support of Ukraine. We've we've invested several billion dollars in support so far, but there's plenty of, plenty of Americans that are not happy with the fact that the U.S. is supporting Ukraine. That they see it as unnecessary provocation to Russia and and uh, not you know just not something that we should be doing. And and so the question really is, can you have a discussion, you know, about the the benefits and the disadvantages to our current support you should be able to do that however if if you spend any time at all on on LinkedIn like I have and you look at some of these discussions they don't take place because right off the bat they you're divided into camps and if you're in support of Ukraine then you must be a Democrat and if you're not in support of of Ukraine you must be a Republican Mm -hmm. and and so, for that reason alone, you're wrong, right? Yes. And so, not only are you wrong, but you smell bad, and <laughs> you know,
0: and amoral or immoral. You're yeah. you're a bad person.
1: That's and that's where we, ever since I think 2016, that's where we have found ourselves. Right? More and more, more and more polarization, more knee-jerk anger you know leading to the belief of things that are just com- completely untrue uh, the 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 stealing the so-called stealing of the 2020 election just a complete fabrication and yet millions of Americans are hanging on to that and yes. it doesn't matter what you do what you say what you show you could walk into their house and lay out Proof on their dining room table, and they it they will not accept it, and that's a phenom- I think that is very, is a, is a interesting phenomenon. Like how how do you do, How does that even happen? You know, right? How does that even happen? And so, I I was reading an explanation one explanation for that, which is the way that our brains process information. And this was based on research done by Daniel Kahneman and written about in, in the book that he co-authored called Thinking Fast and Slow. And that is that there's so much information out there that our brains cannot absorb all of it. So the brain that is handles fast operations makes these models of our world and it refers so when it has to make these all of these millions of decisions, it refers to these models. That's what it is seeing. Whereas the other part of our brain processes things very slowly. And that part of the brain is it, it you know has to be engaged for more complex things, right? More complex issues. But it's easier for people to make these snap judgments, and that's relying on these. Pre-existing models of how things are. So when you're talking to somebody that believes that the election was stolen, as an example, they're not going to see past that because that's the reality. That in their that is the model of the world that they're in their brain's eye. They are seeing, and it's reinforced because the the the, the consumption of information is done through channels that enforce that. So they're. There's nothing wrong with these people. They are honest, hardworking people. Unfortunately, through a combination of biology, meaning how the brain works, and the fact that they're they're only receiving a certain type of information,
0: validation that's, beca-
1: that's become as real to them as you know what is real to us. So, how you how the process of breaking through? I think. I think we've not discovered a good way to do that yet. And that's what's so terrifying is that, you know, what happened on January 6th could happen again because the people involved still believe the same thing. And they've learned, right, from January, they learned what went wrong on January 6th, why they weren't successful. So the next time it'll be, I think, worse. And I don't have a good solution. For that,
2: Jeff, I would have to imagine our adversaries like us having internal conflict with each other. I mean, because you, you know, you say uh, you always hear, like, or I've always heard. I guess I'm. I shouldn't speak for everybody, but you know, I've always heard. You know, you, you, the only way to destroy America is from within. So, I would have to imagine that our adversaries, um, you know, if you want to, you know, China, Russia, North Korea are quite okay with this and probably to some degree fund it and then you you know you look outside and you know we've had you look at china and in russia and how they go through with i guess policing their social media um it's a not as not as free-flowing as, as what it is in this country and it seems like it just keeps proliferating in this country you know going back to like 2007, 2008, 2009, till now, like how do we get out of my question is like, how do we get out of this cycle to where this everybody's just consumed by what makes sense to them on social media and forms their own opinions off of, you know, BS?
1: So, Eric, that's a great question. There's no doubt that Russia and most likely China are engaging in social media activities that will further inflame both sides. There's their Facebook and other social media sites have entire divisions that are set up to detect disinformation operations. They're not very good at it, but everybody is aware of, of the problem. And then you have, you know, the way that social media works is through attention algorithms. So what, uh, and this is especially true on, on TikTok, but, but uh, other platforms are mimicking it. And that is the content that you see is based on the content that you enjoy or spend the most time looking at. So if you're somebody who is uh, intri- who believes, for example, to, to stay on this theme of that the 2020 elections were stolen, and that we, we have a crisis in our democracy and that it requires vigorous you know actions to 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 change then you'll be fed more of that type of content so so what what's re- it's the exact opposite of what's required in order to broaden your mind right your your news feed should have a mix of points of view so that it gets you to think well how can two things be true well probably it cannot so uh, how do you discern what's real and what isn't and because and you and that happens when you have a variety of points of view on the other hand social media does not do that it does the exact opposite you li- you like to read about how terrible the democrats are that's what you'll get and more and more and more radical views because uh, again they the only thing your platform is interested in is your attention. They don't care what grabs your attention. As long as you are spending as much time as possible on that platform, that's what they want. That's what the algorithm is intended to do, and that's what it does. Very successfully. So, how do you again, you know, what's the solution to that? There's no real good solution. It's a it's a terrible problem. And people want if if they if even if you attempt as a platform to control disinformation people will say oh you're censoring me you're either censoring me or you're censoring my content or you're censoring people that I like to listen to and therefore i'll leave and i'll go to a privacy centric platform like the one that trump set up truth social or there's another one called mewe or there's a few others out there and while the, the platform is supposed to be Privacy-friendly, meaning they aren't going to show you ads, they aren't going to sell your data. What it actually happens is that the people that are that are pushing terrible things—it might be child porn, it might be violence, or uh, racist cartoons or remarks, or just really offensive, harmful crap. It, that's where they'll gravitate to those. Particular platform, so now you've got a real swamp, you know that, and the platform is refusing to do anything about it. And they're protected because of this old rule, Section Two Thirty, that says the platform cannot be held responsible for its for the content that other people put on the platform. And so, since they have no liability, and since you know they make money by having as many people as possible, anything goes, and. So those are your two choices in social media, basically. And both of them will cater to your particular uh, biases and and what you like to, to read about and what you like to view.
2: I guess I would challenge that it's always been like this, but not out in the open because not the average person didn't have. It's just much easier to find your tribe now, I guess, where I think that you i i think this stuff existed in the 40s or the 30s or the 20s
1: yeah propaganda it dead. was a
2: lot more hush hush you know but now everybody has their tribe and everybody has a soapbox so it's much easier to to get that out and and create more division than you know than what you really should
1: yeah even in vietnam you would have um you would have north vietnam broadcasting over loudspeakers you know announcements about how the us has surrendered or about how you know soldiers families back home are are uh, mourning their their loss right because the us government told them that they were killed and they'll, anything to psychologically interfere with morale or or operational readiness the, they'll use those techniques back before the internet or they'll drop flyers you know, over enemy across enemy lines, which, and those flyers will have propaganda in them. And so information operations, it's always been part of, part of warfare, but this social media has made it so easy it's because even today you've got soldiers, you know, you can, there's an entire, there's an entire TikTok group called mill talk on social media. And you have, in fact, we did a, we did an exercise last year on this at, you know, what might, what might happen if China decided to demand that ByteDance, a company that owns TikTok, turn over all of their data on American servicemen and women, which they could easily do because, you know, it's so popular. So many military members use it and there's an entire, there's just, it's a it's an intelligence, you know, chest of gold. It's, it's, it's just perfect. It's a perfect intelligence gathering mechanism. And, and try to tell a serviceman or, or a, service, a service member to give it up. You know, it's just not going to – you can't do it. It's like telling your kid. You have a teenager at home, tell him you can't do something. And if that's a sure sure bet, right, that he's going to do it. So we're in a real dilemma, and I'm not smart enough to know what to do about it. You know, I think it has to come down to individuals making – informed choices about what they do and and why they do it and what the repercussions are if they don't do it and then hopefully they'll, you know, make the right choice.
0: That's exactly, exactly what I see as a solution and the only solution and in fact why we built Impact Actual. It's all about the individual choices, individual accountability. And like you said, show them the consequences. I, I'm trying to teach people that altruism is profitable. It's practical. Looking out for others, in addition to looking out for number one, is a good approach. It's don't be a dick. We get you know we get more together. We can produce. Uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said, "Too many people are fighting over crusts when all of us together can make more pies." And that's really where the solution to this is because it's not at the organizational level anymore. Right now, I talked to, um, before he passed away, Ike Skelton, uh, 48-year veteran of the Congress. And I said, sir, I'm seeing this division between the left and the right. And this was like, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. Uh, and, he, and I said, uh, it looks like they're only dominating now. He was out. He'd retired. I said, it looks like they're only focusing on dominance of the other side, D's and R's. And he said, that's exactly what's happening. The issues, any issue we see in the news today, abortion, gun rights, the economy, gay marriage, all of these issues are simply a, a topic with which to batter the other side and seek dominance. We're seeing abortion now, Roe v. Wade, et cetera. It's a massive, massive, as Eric talked about, division internally, divide and conquer. America's being torn apart from the inside out. And it's only when men and women stand up and say, fuck that. I won't participate in any, anymore in this. I will no longer sit by the sidelines complacently watching my country crumble from the inside out. I have an obligation. I have to step up and do something about it, whatever that may be. If, if it is only just saying I won't tolerate that anymore, I won't sit idly by. And, and, and then have these uh, accountability first of the person is where, where I hold myself accountable and say, listen, I don't know everything. I'm, well, I'm willing to hear your side. And I'm willing eager to listen to it, like like Safe House is doing, hearing those other perspectives, including Andy Purdy, uh, of whom I was suspicious because of his affiliation, which is an old bias of my own. I want to use a moment here because this is so, so important, this topic, social media, division of the U.S., our, our way of life is on the chopping block right now, and it's being executed by Americans, unwitting Americans who don't realize they're being manipulated into destroying their own country. There's a book called How Democracies Die by Levitsky and Ziblatt, and I'm reading it now, have been for some time, and they talk about this litmus test for democracy and how democracies die and exactly how it's happened over centuries past and how it can happen now. The four requirements they touch on are, number one, rejection of or weak commitment to democratic rules of the game. When any side, whether it's Trump or Clinton or Obama or some future candidate, when any side, as an example, do they attempt to undermine the legitimacy of elections, for example, by refusing to accept credible electoral results? Exactly like you were talking about, Jeff. That's exactly what's going on with the 2020 election. Number two, denial of the legitimacy of political opponents. Example. Do they baselessly describe their parters and rivals as criminals whose supposed violation of the law or potential to do so disqualifies them from full participation in the political arena? That's exactly what we've been seeing, vilification, creating this vilification, This uh, they are the enemy. Uh, we heard in 2016, the media is the enemy of the people. That was a quote from one of the candidates and then who became a president. The enemy of the people is the media. That's Orwellian. That's 1984 and how – it isn't evident to every American citizen, blows my mind. Number three, toleration uh, or encouragement of violence. An example is have they tacitly endorsed violence by their supporters by refusing to um, or, un- or unambiguously condemn it and punish it? And finally, readiness to curtail civil liberties of opponents, including the media – Have they threatened to take legal or other punitive action against critics in rival parties, civil society, or the media? Have they praised repressive measures taken by other governments, either in the past or elsewhere in the world? That's from How Democracies Die, the four-point litmus test. And we've seen egregious violations of those four examples in the past six years. And our democracy is literally potentially dying as 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 we live in it. And I wish to God, I pray to God, every American listening will say, you know what, I'm all Trump or I'm anti-Trump or whatever, I'm all Democrat or I'm all Republican, but for fuck's sake, we have to step in now and take some action individually. Personal accountability is the only way to lead to those conversations that will actually have a chance of not letting us be completely subsumed by PRC or Russia.
1: Yeah, and I think it's uh, that's that's that was a good that was a good resource that you mentioned uh, Robin and I think it also comes down to putting your putting your country first for better or for worse you're you're if you're, you're living here you were born here or you immigrated here this is now your country and it's in everybody's interests for their country to be a healthy place to live a financially secure place to live, to be able to support your needs for education and for food and for drinking water. You know, there's a town in in Mississippi, I think that's in the news right now. No drinking water. Water is undrinkable. That where are we in, in India, you know, in like some third world, not that India is a third world, but India has sections that are still like have not progressed in hundreds of years. It's, It comes, I think, down to acts of of corruption and selfishness, where you you put your own interests ahead of everybody else and everything else. That is a a path to ruin for any country or any empire, and you know I I have no I have no uh, uh, skin in the game when it comes to whether. A person is a Democrat or a Republican. I am happy to vote either on either way. My only concern is is the person who's running uh, the best person for the job, and are they going to do a good job? If I put, you know, if I vote for them, that's my main concern. I think if we could just agree, you know, just agree on that part that we want our country to do well, and we want people running it to be honest and, and to do their job, just like we have to do our jobs at work, then maybe that's a, you know, starting point. All of these other problems like cyber and other things, those are all maybe outside of our control. But that, what I'm saying right now is within our control is a commitment to put your country first, to put your children first, to put your spouse first, right? Right. And you come in second. You're the ba- you're the support, the backup to ensure success.
0: Yeah, Jeff, the, it really is. It, you're actually turning the whole America first thing 180 because it is America first, but not the same thing the pro Nazi guys said back in 1937. America first, which was dominate all those external forces that we don't like it was this is america first because i'm an american and i will i will i will subordinate my ego and my immediate interests in the greater the good what what's good for america and all the other americans and that is ultimately good for me and that's what impact Act was all about too this is a very, very powerful couple uh, shows, guys. I really appreciate this, Eric and and Jeff. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking about these things. And we've cro- covered a lot of ground. I'll have to go to the show notes to find all the important nuggets.
1: Well, thank you, Rob. It was an honor to be on a program with you. I appreciate the years that you've given to, to the service of your country, and I, I wish more people did the same. You know, I wish we saw more more young people today. Have, volunteering of, in service of some, one way or another. It doesn't have to be military, but but you've set a great example. So thank you.
0: Thank you very much. And I hear your doggies are eager to get going. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So how do folks get a hold of you? Best way is just the, the site.
1: If they visit safehouse.global. Okay. There's information there on how they can reach me, what our events are. And, and of course, you can always just Google my name or go to dot Tom for more information as well.
0: Right on. And, and that, I want to go back to that domain again. Safehouse.global is the way to see what's going on with the upcoming event and all that's going on for the future in general. And that's, that's really, you know, where I want folks to be able to connect and, and say, you know, I want to be part of the conversation. I'm on the left. I'm on the right. I want to hear people, you know, stepping into the conversation because that's what citizens do. Citizens guard their country. By subordination of the ego and taking care of business, you know, let's be let's be Americans first. Uh, fantastic theme, fantastic conclusion. Safehouse.global Global, and to our dear listener, thank you so much for taking the time to go through these double up this double episode and think about what you can do. Apply yourself to make a difference. It is at the individual level anymore. Our parties aren't going to save us. Our companies aren't going to save us. It is no longer about trusting the big system, but only individuals working side by side with those they don't agree with can actually give us a chance to pull out of this tailspin. And with that grim notice, (laughs) have a groovy week and we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob DuBois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob DuBois.